Oh, hi. Look at that. We're back. For a little bit. I mean, it's summertime. Summertime slowdown, right? Just a few of you? No? Maybe? Well, we hope you're happy to hear us back. Welcome to another episode of What in the Actual Factual. We are supported by no one, but we would love to have your support. Wouldn't you love to hear your name, your brand, your business, that special something that only you can bring to the table on our show? Because we would love to talk about it. So if you're interested, hit us up on Instagram at what in the actual factual and send us a DM or shoot us an email at what in the actual factual at gmail.com. Today's episode was thrown together. It's actually all thanks to one of my cousins sending me this blog post. Um, as some of you know, but not everybody, obviously, uh, Lebanon is experiencing a social and economic crisis, a humanitarian crisis. Um, and as we all know, it's, it's also continuing for Palestinians. Um, but right now in Lebanon, they are experiencing major blackouts across the country, no fuel, limited electricity. If they have it, it's only for just a few hours at a time. Everyone's food that they do have in their refrigerators is going bad, and lots of people are experiencing food poisoning, um, and they need humanitarian aid. And the problem is, though, if you donate money to the Lebanese government, it's never going to get to the people. It's going to get stolen by the dictators who are currently in office. And basically, one of the best descriptions I've heard people say is it's like they're living under a mobster gangster rule in a, in a way like the mafia, only it's the entire government. So with that said, I'm going to read this blog post uh, written by this wonderful Lebanese woman named Danielle. Her blog is called Beirutista, and this was written on August 13th, and it's titled Abysmal and Inconsolable, A Day in the Life of a Lebanese Resident. Reader, brace yourself. I'm about to push you beyond your comfort zone. You're being warned. The following sequence of events is not for the faint-hearted. Prepare for a free-falling nightmare of evils and darkness, a bottomless pit of misadventures. This story is about agony, grief, humiliation, inhumanity, and curse after curse after curse. After all, every day, and not just today, is now Friday the 13th in Lebanon. Imagine waking at half past two in the dead of night, choking on the insufferable Mediterranean heat and humidity of a treacherous summer. The air conditioner is off. The room is pitch black. You get up and fumble your way to the light switch, only to find there's no electricity. You slide the window open, praying for a sea breeze, but the air is flat, dead, unforgiving. You've been hearing all along about the state's impending fuel shortages as a result of its inability to pay suppliers with its dwindling foreign reserves. But as with everything in wretched Lebanon, you thought it was hyped up drama. You thought they'd unearth a solution just in time and that you wouldn't have to endure any power struggles, pun intended. What is this, the 19th century? No, you shrugged it off. We live in 2021. Surely we won't be experiencing a cessation of electricity. But bless your simple soul, here you are. 
the city in which you reside and the private moteur generator to which you subscribe have announced daily power cuts upward of six hours in two to three hour chunks at a time. Well, you're still better off than your friends dwelling in another city who are getting zero moteur and have to rely on two to three hours of government-provided electricity per day. Quote, better off? Are we normalizing this now? How can you muster any optimism at a time like this? Somehow you manage to fall back asleep. Yet when you wake again at seven, the electricity is still out of service. How will you be able to get through a nine-hour workday from home if these power cuts dot your landscape? Obviously, it's not merely about electric lighting or internet or air conditioning. How about trivial tasks like turning on the microwave or stovetop to reheat food? How about the contents of your fridge, which are now susceptible to spoiling because of the interrupted refrigeration cycle? What if you need to leave your house, but you're on the eighth floor and have to navigate all those flights down or up on the return? Can you even exit your building if it's gated and hinges on electricity to draw open or shut? During these precious hours when the moteur is actually restored, it would behoove you to exercise solid math skills. You're subscribed to a finite number of amps, let's say 10, and voltage runs at 200 to 220 volts. Thus, recollecting from physics, that power is the product of current and voltage, i.e. P equals IV. You need to ensure you're not exceeding your ration total. Therefore, if you keep the AC wall unit on and you're running a load of laundry, will the microwave at 1000 watts break the load? Now, during those dark hours when there is no current running through your outlets, misery is coursing through your veins. What you'd ideally do is hop in your car, blast the AC on its highest level, and let loose on the highway. The problem, nay, the problems, with that are manifold. Lines at the pump are excruciatingly long, blocks upon blocks of cars. The number of gallons is capped per vehicle, and fuel is no longer subsidized. So, at the formal rate of the U.S. dollar to the Lebanese pound, i.e., one U.S. dollar equals 1,507 Lebanese pounds, a tank of gasoline equating to 20 liters, or 5.28 gallons, currently sets you back around $50. In a few days, once the subsidy is effectively lifted, that number will soar to roughly $220. Fuel has become a sacred commodity. Every trip must be carefully planned and executed, preferably during hours when traffic is minimal. Thank God for Google Maps. You can't afford to joyride anywhere, let alone sulk miserably in your car, face glued to the vents, trying to undo that sticky sweat. Grocery store visits no longer bring any happiness or comfort. Prices are in constant flux, but invariably on the rise, and your heart sinks every time you catch sight of the price labels. And that's if they're actually posted on the shelves. Some stores can't adjust the prices swiftly enough, so they've ripped off the tags altogether and installed a couple of self-scan price checkers throughout the store so that customers can privately sink into a melancholic depression rather than suppress shock or shame when facing the cashier. A bag of local kettle chips costs 15,000 Lebanese pounds, $10, for 144 grams. A dinky ice cream sandwich, 90 grams, also by a local brand, will run you 6,000 Lebanese pounds, which is $4. 
Astonishingly, infant and toddler diapers produced in the Becca, Lebanon area are more expensive than internationally recognized brands imported from abroad, like Huggies. What's going on? Greed? Exploitation? Banking off people's misinformation, assumptions, or plain ignorance? All of the above. Next up, the pharmacy, another hellhole that'll likely cascade into a series of stops at a dozen pharmacies in pursuit of meds you or your family members are in dire need of. Pharmacists will self-smugly shake their heads as they utter, not in stock, sending you on a hunt in search of urgent elixirs for even things as basic as Penadol, the equivalent of Tylenol in the family of paracetamol drugs, that should in fact be ubiquitous. Even when you are fortunate enough to locate what you want, the new unsubsidized rates will leave you wide-eyed in utter disbelief. Seriously? 71,000 Lebanese pounds for children's cough syrup? That's almost $50. The threat of catching the COVID-19 Delta variant has not fallen on deaf ears. Thanks to the surge of expats descending on Lebanon for the summer and profiting from the weak lira, the rate of COVID infections has again skyrocketed. But hospitals are beyond capacity and what's more, ill-equipped to even care for their patients. Hospitals, like every facility, rely on electricity and fuel to do their jobs. They, too, cannot escape unscathed from the apocalyptic mess this country has been reduced to. Every facet, every thread of every fabric of what once comprised Lebanon has been torn asunder, crumbling conspicuously beneath our feet. Parents have been looking forward to schools reopening this autumn thanks to the en masse vaccination of teachers and personnel, but how can any institution hope to prop open its doors when there are long power outages? Even virtual learning is not viable, so what recourse, if any? Have I managed to horrify you? Are you feeling the injustice, the rage, the terror, the curse of what it means to be in Lebanon at this day and age? Lebanon has become infernal. Nothing affords pleasure anymore. We've been plunged into a sea of suffering, of sadness, of destitution, and we are inconsolable. I kept hearing things would get exponentially worse. Well, the cynics were spot on. With every new low we attained, we naively thought we'd hit rock bottom. The worst is that we probably still have not. Silly me. Did I fail to mention that the entire population has, to add to all the foregoing woes, been robbed of their bank deposits? In a span of two weeks during October 2019, when the banks closed unprecedentedly, we were forcibly untethered from our life savings, our hard-earned livelihoods, our pensions, our rainy day cushions. Today, they are siphoned to us in tiny capped amounts. And if you hold foreign currency deposits, like U.S. dollar, They are exchanged at a fixed rate of 3,900 Lebanese pounds, whereas the market rate is at least five times that. Alas, that's the haircut our state leaders promised we'd never be subjected to. But it's more than just a haircut. It's us balding. We have been stripped naked, thrown into the pothole-ridden unlit streets and left to the hyenas. God help Lebanon, for it is evident at present that nobody else can. It's a fake commercial break. We are supported by 
Yeah, well, you guessed it, no one. But again, we would love to have your support. We would love to talk about that special something that you have, your business, your product, whatever it is, we would love to talk about it on our show. So send us an email at whatintheactualfactual at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at whatintheactualfactual. I wanted to read a post from a person named Ne El-Rahi, who wrote this really fantastic thread that I also found today. Um, So I'm just going to read through that and, you know, pardon the language, but I think it's valid. It says, non-Arabic speaking folks wondering what the fuck is going on in Lebanon. Here's what's up. The central bank announced yesterday that it will end the fuel subsidy, which means it will start offering credit lines for fuel imports based on the market price for the Lebanese pound, more than 20,000 pounds, after it had been offering it at a rate of 3,900 pounds to the dollar. People are wasting most of their days queuing to fill up their car tanks. Most of us in Beirut are experiencing extended blackouts. Power is out for most of the day and night. During the day, we surf around from one cafe to the other, chasing the few remaining air-conditioned spaces with a reliable internet connection. At night, Beirut, like most cities across the country, is immersed in absolute darkness. We sleep without any ventilation or cooling in the blistering heat of August. We sweat from crevices we did not know existed in our bodies. We count our breaths in disbelief that our lungs are still functional. People in Lebanon are being stripped of their lifelines and survival pathways. Hospitals are running out of diesel to power their equipments. The critically ill will soon be cut off life-saving oxygen machines basically left to die. Red Cross ambulances cannot operate their vehicles to save lives. The National Suicide Hotline will be unavailable for the entirety of the coming two days and nights after weeks of intermittent cuts. We cannot find Advil or inhalers in pharmacies, nor can we find meds for chronic and fatal illnesses like hypertension, cardiac diseases, diabetes, and cancer. Our allergies are out of control, our symptoms raging, our nervous systems shattered. The Lebanese have managed to carve a black market out of our need for literally everything. We are out of everything. We need everything. Bread mills have stopped operating, i.e. making bread. Prices of basic goods in supermarkets have skyrocketed as the Lebanese pound, which had lost more than 90% of its value, dips lower every minute of every day, now standing at 21,000 pounds to the dollar. Banks continue to confiscate our hard-earned U.S. dollar savings, while most corporations and mega-employers insist on benchmarking salaries against the official rate for the Lebanese pound, still 1,500 pounds to the dollar. Small businesses, supermarkets, bakeries, cafes, restaurants, and recently malls have announced temporary closures at the height of a long-awaited tourism season. Very soon, even those with access to U.S. dollars won't find any of what they need. None of the 99% of the Lebanese population will manage to hold on to their privileges. Soon, it will all become dust. We are torn between desperately trying to secure an exit and agonizing for leaving families and loved ones to their doom here. People are leaving in masses, some vital sectors immensely hit by this drain, an exodus, our lives a cycle of shock, farewells, and sweat. 
All of this is happening while the psychopaths ruling this country go on with their meaningless politicking as usual, bickering about constitutional this and new cabinet that, dodging responsibilities and pointing fingers like hormonal teenagers on a curfew. They have refused to take any measure, legislate any law, develop any meaningful policy to at least slow down this economic, financial, and social freefall in the past two years. They remain unaccountable, watching all systems crumble and the people die slowly every day. If you are to remember anything from all this, it's that people living in Lebanon right now are being mass-murdered and forcibly displaced. There really is nothing I can say that will do the situation any justice. This is systematic and calculated mass murder and forced displacement. There is no other way of putting it. Most of you know this topic is really close to my heart because I am Lebanese. I have family in Lebanon experiencing these things right now. And it is incredibly frustrating to be on the other side of the world and unable to do anything and knowing that you can't send money because it won't get to them. You can't get plane tickets and put them on a credit card and get everybody out because it's also not that easy. And you know that if money is given to the Lebanese government, it will never see the light of day for the people. It will be stolen by the government. And it's just, it's incredibly heartbreaking because that's all I want to do. Um, but here are some things you can do if you choose to donate to different projects, um, donate to the Lebanese Red Cross. We're going to make a post on Instagram for this episode, and we will tag the organizations on that post so it'll be easy to get to their pages so you can submit a donation. But if you do your own research, just make sure whatever NGO you donate to, make sure it is legit and it, that it is not connected to the Lebanese government. That's pretty key. Some resources that I want to mention or pages that you can follow on Instagram for more updates is Dalil Thaura, which is spelled D-A-L-E-E-L-T-H-A-W-R-A. They have been sharing fundraising initiatives as well as tagging those organizations in their posts. Um, I recommend for general donations, check out The Slow Factory. They have a link in their bio and an ongoing donation on their page to help get food, medical supplies, you name it, to the people of Lebanon. Uh, another is for sourcing and dispatching medication and medical supplies is at Lebanon Needs. And um, pairing medical supplies and medicines with travelers, like people coming into Lebanon, are bringing anything they possibly can into the country to distribute to the people. And that page is Meds for Leb. There's also um, for treating first and second degree burns to help alleviate the hospitals. There's Baitna Baitak, which is B-A-Y-T-N-A-B-A-Y-T-A-K. And also for food parcels and vouchers, try Beitel Baraka. It's B-E-I-T-E-L-B-A-R-A-K-A. Like I said, there are many resources being shared, and we are going to tag as many as we possibly can. 
So keep following us along at our Instagram, What in the Actual Factual, for more updates and continued resources. And be sure to send us an email at whatintheactualfactual at gmail.com if you have any topics you'd like us to go over too. We'd love to hear it. And that about wraps up this week's episode. We thank you for listening. Um, This has been pretty heartbreaking and frustrating, infuriating, many, many feelings on our end, but we always try to share stories of what's happening across the world, not just in Lebanon, but to Palestinians, what's happening in Haiti right now, my God, you know, just, we need to continue to use our platforms to share these important stories and try to do what we can to spread the word and help in any way possible. So thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.